forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello. I'm Allison Raskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I'm going on a book tour. Woo! Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and a, a reader of books, particularly <laughs> Allison's. Wow. What yeah. a, you know what I mean? What a coincidence. Well, this is a book-centric episode, and so I wanted to start off by, by promoting the book tour. So I will be having a book event in Los Angeles on May 3rd, which is in conversation with, maybe you've heard of them, Gabby Dunn. Uh, so if you want to see both of us and you live in LA, come on out on May 3rd. On May 4th, I'll be in San Francisco. On May 9th, I will be in Chicago. And on May 10th, I will be in New York. And um, all the info about the different events and venues will be in the links below for this podcast description. It's also on my Instagram. Um, so if you live in those four cities or near those four cities, I would love, love, love to see you there. And um, if you don't, Make everyone you know buy the book, because if it does well, maybe I'll get to go to more cities. Did you like my comment on you promoting it where I said I'm excited to meet you? Yes, I thought that was very funny, and I, I believe I even laughed out loud. Yeah! <laughs> well, this is just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. What are you reading right now? I'm reading How to Be Good by Nick Hornby. I would say it's okay. What's it about? About a woman deciding whether or not to stay in her unhappy marriage. I think. It's my summary of it. What are you reading? I am reading a book about Emma Goldman's romantic relationships called Love and Anarchy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's using her letters and it is about her struggle to be a public-facing activist for women's rights and free thinking and sexual freedom while also, like, really wanting this guy, Ben, to be her boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. Um, (laughs) We have got a great episode for everyone this week. We're going to be talking to Glory Edom all about books and her book club, Well-Read Black Girl. And later, we're going to do a deep dive with Gabby for some updates about their gender journey. I have complaints. Oh, you have some you have some thoughts? I have complaints. <laughs> but first, we've got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means? Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Taylor, Germany. Yep. International, baby. Guten, guten Tag. Guten Tag, Taylor. Well, we'll see because it's it's an alias. So okay. maybe they made it's... it spicy for us, in, uh, you know, because they know, know we love a real international question. You, you think Germany is made up? I don't know. Why not? If you were submitting to this show and you wanted to be anonymous and so you wanted to use a fake alias, wouldn't you make that alias international? Yes, I would. Sorry, Beans wants to be here. What? Okay. So here we go. Dear Allison and Gabby, I would like to stay anonymous. Just call me Taylor from Germany. I'm currently dating my friend's ex. And although I have asked my friend how she feels about it and got her reassurance that it wouldn't hurt our friendship or hurt her feelings, I still feel awful. 
I cannot shake off the feeling of being wrong, although I did nothing wrong. I still keep our relationship private, although it's been a year now, just because I am scared of people's judgment. And somewhere in my mind, I feel like I have betrayed the girl code as well. What can I do to be confident in this relationship? Regards, Taylor. This is juicy. Very interesting, right? I know. And me five years ago would be like, Taylor's straight, whatever. But now I think, you know, and I think in the queer community, it's like more accepted to date each other's exes. But I do have a recent thing where I feel very weird about how I met someone because I was at a party and this friend of mine introduced me to someone by saying, this is my ex. And I immediately got that person's phone number. Not immediately. I I worked it for 15 minutes. But then I on the way home, I was like, oh, was that bad? Was that a bad thing that I did? So then I, because I'm a coward, I texted our mutual friend and said, do you think so-and-so will be upset that this happened? And she said, no, I don't think she'll be upset. But I have not asked her directly. Why not? I don't know, because I guess I feel like I don't want this person to feel like they're somebody else's property. Like, I don't want them to feel like I I had to ask because they have their own agency and they can do what they want. But I also, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe, I, do you think I should, like, contact her directly and ask about it? I think so, because I don't think it's, I, I can see that why you would go that route of, like, feeling like you don't want them to feel like property. But I think it's more about respecting the boundaries of the person you have an established friendship with. Yeah, yeah. And it's also some, like, weirdly, it's come up where, like, they were, like, playing this, I don't want to be too specific. They were playing this game that was, like, really nice. And they showed it to me, and I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And they said, oh, that ex got it for me. And I said, she must have really liked you. And then they avoided the question, (laughs) avoided my saying that. So I feel like I it's like kind of it's like the kind of gift that you would get someone that you really liked. So I then I felt weird. <laughs> well, yeah, I think you should check in with your friend, maybe. <laughs> but our, our yeah. listener, our listener has checked in with with their friend and got the approval. And I think this sort of speaks to it's a couple things. Right. And one of them is like, do you believe what people are telling you? You know? Like, do you believe that your friend is being honest with you? Do you believe that they're, do you know what I mean? Because by not trusting yeah. what they're saying to you, you're saying that that they're lying or they're liars lying. or they're not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or um, that they don't know their own, they don't know their own feelings. They're in denial. They're not in touch with their own feelings. Right. So it's sort of kind of doing a disservice to your friend to not believe what they're telling you. Patronizing. I obviously don't know, but I, I wonder if you are someone who who is very caught up in like being good and following rules and having things be clearly black and white and not feeling comfortable in the gray. And like, am I talking to myself? You know, what I mean? like <laughs> I, I used to I used to really be that way. And I really think that Allowing yourself to look at life, not in such a black and white Mm -hmm. lens, but instead say, oh, a lot of things happen all the time that are a bit messy, that are a bit Mm -hmm. less clear cut. And, you know, 
first so that on the first step, it's like, do you believe your friend? Like, do you respect them enough to believe what they are telling you? And then two, are you okay with approaching a life that isn't all one thing? That isn't mm-hmm. that where where morality is more murky and it's not as, you know, like, and that context matters, right? Because if somebody had said, oh, I'm dating my friend's ex and you had no context for it, maybe you would say, oh, that's not a nice thing to do. But then when you add in the context of, and my friend doesn't mind at all and has given her blessing and seems fine with it, suddenly that whole situation changes. Mm-hmm. People come into your life in all sorts of strange ways. And it might be that they weren't right for that person, but they're right for you. And I think like you can't judge how someone came into your life, but like you can't judge the way somebody came into your life if you if you have a connection with them and if the other and if you're not hurting anyone, if the other person is not being like like if you stole him away from her or something like with malice, you know, that's one thing. But I do think you're being a little like self-flagellating. Like you can post about your relationship. One other thing that stood out to me was you saying that people will judge you and think that you broke the girl code. And I think that's like a that's a really relevant feeling. I think that's something that is pretty valid. People gossip, talk behind people's backs. But like Allison said, like things are messy and anybody who doesn't see that or doesn't have an ex- like Stop throwing stones in glass houses like as if as if you've never had a complicated situation in your life. Like, why are you judging other people, you know, or on the flip side, Taylor, you just be okay with people are going to talk and like whatever. Yeah. So that's the other side of it. Right. Is I think that it seems at least it seems like you really care what other people think about you. And so that that might be something to examine. Like, why? Why do you care so much? And we've talked about on the show where I don't think that you should live your life with no rules or no standards for your own behavior, but I think that you have to create standards for your own behavior and then abide by them. But your standards are always going to be different than other people's. So you you mm-hmm. can't go about your life trying not to bump up against anyone else's idea of what's right and wrong. You just need to have a clear sense. What is your idea of right and wrong? And I think the question to ask is, are you comfortable with this decision that you've made? <laughs> like mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. root of who who you are and what and the way that you think about the world and the way that you, you know, want to move through it is dating your friend's ex with your friend's blessing something that you're okay with? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, which I hope the answer is, then you got to let it go. You've got to yeah. just let other people's potential opinions about it you know, kind of pass through you because Mm -hmm. you've decided that this is okay for you and that you're living in accordance with your own values. It's interesting because the other people's disapproval goes back to our point of infantilizing and patronizing the friend, thinking that, oh, the friend must be upset. The friend, like, look at how, like, victimized the friend is when the friend isn't saying that or living that way. Mm -hmm. And- like it's putting their own idea of the drama on your new relationship and on your friend and you not showing the relationship because people might be like, that's awful. They don't know you. They don't know the relation or maybe they do know you, but they don't know the, in- the inside of the relationship. They don't know the inside of the relationship and they don't know the inside of your friendship. And so that's another thing too. like, 
you might be really struggling with this because you're someone who would never be okay with your friend dating your ex. True. But you don't have the same standards. But right. So like, it might just be really hard for you to believe your friend because for you, how could that possibly be true? Because you're someone where it would never be true. Mm -hmm. But so this is where we have to take that leap where we just accept that other people are different than us and Mm -hmm. other people are going to be okay with things that we are not going to be okay with and that that's okay. And that's like a wonderful Mm -hmm. thing, right? Because if this friend was maybe more like you or more like me, where I don't know if I'd ever be okay with it, then you couldn't be in this relationship in the first place. But it's it's really cool that your friend is someone who is okay with this. And you have to like trust that people are different than you. And that mm-hmm. it's not that people are pretending to be different or putting on a, a show that they are just fundamentally different than you. And that's a cool thing and something that you should embrace instead of be skeptical of. Yeah, I mean, we don't have any information about how long they were together. We don't have any information about how intense their relationship was. People throw X around a lot. Like X could mean 10 years. X could mean you dated for a month, you know? So I don't know. I, I it's, If the friend is saying they're okay with it and in the context of, of what you know about, I mean, it's weird, right? So like, if you guys are friends, do you talk about oh, my boyfriend did this, oh, my boyfriend did that. Is that, you know, were they just like an a, an ex for a month or were they that other person's boyfriend too? Is it like your friend might be like, oh yeah, when I was with them, they also like didn't get me gifts or whatever. You know, like what, how do you talk to your friend? Like what is the, I wonder, just I'm asking Taylor, like I wonder. Well, maybe what needs to happen is a, is a direct conversation about it with your friend. We're saying, I know that you are okay with our general relationship, but like, are there any boundaries that you want us to have? Like, does it bother you when I talk about them? Is it okay for me to share photos online? Like, just have a direct conversation because again, you're making so many assumptions about what your friend is or isn't comfortable with. And I think the more, the only thing that matters is is what your friend and you decide upon. You have to let go of other people's judgment. You have to let go of all of that. And then if your friend is like, hey, I'm happy to talk about your my ex with you. I'm happy to see your photos. Like, I truly mean that. Believe them. <laughs> you guys unionize. You're like, I have a question. Does so-and-so never do the dishes? The ex is like, yeah. And you're like, all right, you have confront him together. We have unionized. I would not do this. This I would not do that. <laughs> this is my backup. Uh, hopefully that helps, you know, really allow for the possibility that people are different than you allow for the possibility that you should be believing what people are telling you and then allow for the idea that not everyone is going to get your context of your situation. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. If you want to submit your international question, you can send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. That's just between us pod at gmail.com. Up next, we got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Glory Edom. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Allison here. Anyone who knows me well knows that I love to read. I am always looking for new books, and that is why I am so excited that this episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. Book of the 
a Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. It was so fun for me to get to pick which book I wanted to read this month and have it shipped right to my door. Book of the Month makes it easy to decide which book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All the books are good, so you can't go wrong. Every aspect of the Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. They have a highly anticipated release at the beginning of each month. Books are delivered in this really adorable bright blue box, and there's a fun app to help you pick your book and track your reading process. They also offer great values on new release hardcover fiction. It's much cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And with a loyalty program, you get rewards and even lower prices the longer you stay as a member. My first book from Book of the Month was The Husbands by Holly Gramazio. I am tearing through this book. It is so fun. It's basically about this woman who one day comes home and there's a husband in her apartment. And she's like, where did you come from? And then she figures out that every time her new husband goes into the attic, a new husband comes out. And she's, she's like shuffling through all these different husbands from the attic, trying to figure out which one is the best. It is right at my alley and I love it so much. So if you want to take part in book of the month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you all about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. Right before I found out about this project, my mom made an offhand comment about wanting to write a memoir because she had such a wild childhood and there are all these things she's never really talked to us about. But asking someone to sit down and write a memoir is kind of daunting. So then I got her mylifeinabook.com and now she's getting prompts to answer on a weekly basis and it's a lot easier than just undertaking an entire memoir. I'm so excited to see what my mom does with mylifeinabook.com because she's someone who doesn't always feel comfortable just sharing about herself, but having these prompts and knowing that I really want to hear her answers is going to inspire her to probably share more with me about her life and her upbringing than I've ever been shared with before. So I'm so excited for that. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code just between us at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code just between us for 10% off today. Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. 
Tough questions. This week on the show, our guest is Glory Edom, the founder of Well-Read Black Girl, a book club, literary festival, and online community that celebrates the uniqueness of black literature and sisterhood. Hello, Glory. Hello, hello, hello. So nice to meet you. And you said that in like perfect fashion. You said all the things, all the books, all the festivals of everything <laughs> that Well-Read Black Girl does. So thank you. Thank you for that. Wow. Well, you do a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you do a lot of stuff. I do. I need a nap. I really (laughs) I need to lay down. But it's just as like everything just slowly started to build up like on top of each other. You know how when that happens, like Mm -hmm. you're doing something and then you get some momentum and you just can't stop. Like you're just powering through everything. Yeah, I have a hard time saying no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too, boundaries. I do have a hard time saying no. So I'm like, yes, I'll do this and this and this. And it's a lot of fun and I enjoy it. But like, it is hard to say no because I'm just like, there's so many, there's so much great stuff and not enough time. <laughs> so. Can we talk a little bit about the evolution of all of this? Like how it all started and what it's morphed into? Oh my gosh, yeah. So Real Talk, it literally was like, a book club like no no like aspirations to turn it into a business or a book or this and that like it was truly my book club that had like 10 incredible women like coming together and talking about like their favorite books and just like love of literature and the power of Instagram and just like community building morphed it into this like a platform which I still feel weird saying like platform but that is essentially what it is now like we really do go about trying to uplift and raise uh the voices of like black people like hey like this is an incredible book if you didn't know you should know it now we should like work together to talk about like diverse books and diverse writers and all this stuff that really in the beginning i just was like i want to read tony morrison with a bunch of people i want to read like brit bennett with like my girlfriends and like talk about it and have a space where we can be just like honest with each other and not only just talk about books but what's happening in our lives like what's happening professionally like what's happening with our romantic lives like all these things really stemmed from us talking about our favorite stories or looking at our favorite characters and just hoping to find inspiration from it and I guess like the internet caught on and then there was like this whole, you know, even the festival, I like, I was gonna say it's a long story, but I guess I can tell it. So I went to this gala with, it was like through the Authors Guild, they were hosting this thing for Toni Morrison. And I don't even know how I got it invite, but I was like way underdressed when I got there. (laughs) And I was like super, super nervous. And I only recognized, I mean, I knew who Toni Morrison was, but I clearly had no intention to like go talk to her and say hi, because I was so nervous. But there was an author named Tiari Jones there and I had read all her books and I knew like who she was. So I slowly went up to her and I was like, hi, my name is Glory. I do a book club called Well-Read Black Girl. And like within like five minutes, we became like best friends. And she started telling me about her work. And we like literally like half the time we're just talking about hair. I was like, oh, I love your hair. Like what kind of hair products do you use? (laughs) And so by the end of it, I told her I had this idea for the festival because it was just an idea at that point. And she was like, oh, yeah, girl, you you should do it. And like, and if you do it, I'll be your keynote speaker. <gasps> yeah. Like literally, like she said wow. those words. It was just like, 
wait, what? <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, are you serious? I'm like, we've met, it's only been an hour. Like, we're like, are you, would you really do that? She's like, yeah, like, fly me out. Like, you know, just get my ticket. I have a place to stay. Cause at the time she was doing like this residency program in Las Vegas, I think. Like she was doing something somewhere, somewhere outside mm-hmm. of New York. She's just like, just let me know when it is. And like, you know, just get my plane ticket. I'll be there. And I was like, okay done so I got into high gear from that moment and started planning the festival but before then I was like I'll just wait like a year or two and I'll like you know do all these things but her like kindness just made this again momentum wow I mean made me feel like I could do it and like I was like oh like I can do this I can ask for people people's help and invite them and maybe they'll say yes you know so that's like how everything happened book club then festival and then, then podcasts and like everything. It just is like one step after the other. Well, I think it's so cool that you wanted to create this environment of uplifting other people and then other people have been uplifting you through that process. It's truly, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Like everyone really does serve as this like beautiful reflection, you know, like I, I'll think about something and then I kind of go to my group text or I go to like my friend circle or at the book club and I'm like, hey, like, what do you guys think? And we kind of all put our heads together and figure something out. But it has it's never been the space where I'm going to do like a PowerPoint presentation and I'm going to like make a <laughs> business plan. You know, it's it's never been that way. And sometimes I wish I could be that like more organized, but that's just that hasn't been my process. And because it's happened that way, I'm kind of like not afraid to take risks or try new things because I'm like, OK, if it doesn't work, I'll try something else and then I'll try something else. You know, just like I just kind of throw it out there. Like I, I, I have like this visual of me like throwing spaghetti at the wall, and like mm-hmm. seeing if it sticks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, like, let's try this new thing. And, you know, five years later, like I'm still throwing the spaghetti and stuff <laughs> is still sticking. So, like, I feel like something's working. What is it? about literary characters that you connect to or that like helps you find things about yourself? Oh, that's a great question. I think for when I was younger, I was always very talkative, but I didn't have like a lot, a lot of friends, you know? So I felt like the books and the characters like were my friends and I felt really connected to the ideas of who they wanted to be. Like, I feel like when you're when you're younger, you kind of go through this process of like, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know? And I would read something and I'm like, oh, I could be like that person. Like, I could be like that teacher or that writer or, you know, like, or that architect. But I wouldn't have the idea until I saw it or read it. And I, I really am still like this very like visual person. I need to see something and even if it's like an outline or a sketch of something, I need mm-hmm. to like see it and like read it and write it down. I would shift my camera over slightly to the left, but I literally have like these massive post-it notes on my wall. <laughs> and I like, I like write everything down. And like once it's on paper, it becomes more real. And I think that I have that experience when I'm reading. Like when I'm reading something, like it becomes more real to me and I can like work my w- way towards that goal, you know? Yeah. Oh, books are so good for when you're lonely as a kid. <laughs> and as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like it gives you just like a space to, of like to breathe and sit. And and what's so awesome about books too, like you can go back to it. You know, you can go back to those lines that like give you inspiration. You can reread them like when you're in different parts of your life. Like I've definitely reread so many books. Like 
reading something at 16 and then reading it again at 25 and then reading it at 30. Like I have had so many like milestones happen through my books. And they're like my, like even in my anthology, like I start out my introduction, like basically say like, there are so many memories that I have tied to like the stories I read, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think we have similar experiences with all types of art. Like you see a certain thing in a museum and it creates like this core memory or you hear a song and you, you know, it brings you back to like your prom date or, you know, your first like summer camp love or whatever. Like all these things like leave such lasting impressions in our like young lives. But we often kind of dismiss them and act like they're not important when they're so crucial to who we are. They like really build the foundation of our ourselves and our creativity. And why do you think that book clubs in particular have such a strong impact and and such a like durability. Like my mom's been in a book club for like decades with the same people. And I don't know if, you know, like they would still be in touch if they wasn't this connection of the book club. (laughs) Like, why is it such this special thing? Well, that's a great question. Why is it such a special thing? I think maybe like it like breaks down some barriers to, you know, to like who you are, because If you're upset about something or you disagree with the character, it's not real life. So you can can easily like debate about ideology or think about politics or think about just like who we, you know, or even expectations or ideas about around like desire. Like when you're talking about these issues through characters, it just feels like a little bit lighter and it feels like you have more like more room to debate or even just have a discourse, you know? Mm. And I would say the same thing too. Like the the book club is super intergenerational. We have so many people in different parts of their lives. Like I love when young people who have just graduated college come to the book club and they're, you know, they're telling us like what's happening and everything feels like heightened and like over dramatic. And you're just like, wait until you get to your thirties. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And, but you can also like, empathize with their experience and all the things that they're going through. And you can point to a book like, okay, like, I know you're going through this. Maybe you should try this book right here. Like, maybe you should, you know, get some Tony K. Bambara in your life. Or maybe you should read, like, Britt Bennett's first book, The Mothers. Like, maybe you could relate to some of this. And all of that has been so helpful to, like, pass books to friends where I know, like, for me, my, I just had my first child and it was just like, oh, woo girls like a lot a lot of things happening when I had my baby I was like losing my mind and my <laughs> one of my girlfriends was like okay like you have to read like reread cut the color purple which I was like wait mm. what <laughs> I was like I don't know if that's like a book about like I feel like I feel like the first time I read the color purple it's just so sad and she's just like no but like look at it from a different perspective like look at it from the perspective of motherhood and like protecting your own you know like it is a very like heavy and very traumatic book mm-hmm. but look at it with a new lens and I was like oh okay so I did that and I rewatched the movie and I was just like, <laughs> was like oh I love all of this and then I had read Pachinko like years ago when it first came out I'm a huge fan of Min Jin Lee and uh, another friend kind of said the same thing she was like look at Pachinko from again from like the lens of motherhood and like think about just like the choices the character made and I initially when I read it I kind of like zoomed through it because it's so suspenseful and I was just like oh my god what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next and my second reading I was like oh wow like this is truly like uh, like a, a story about a mother finding her own agency and owning her own mistakes and like the choices that she made had like huge repercussions on like the future generations of her family. Like 
when I, I'm like, what? Like, you know, I can make choices that can change the lineage of like my family, you know? And I'm yeah. like, what, what, like that, like, I mean, it's like one of those emojis when like your head just explodes. Like, <laughs> what? like I'm just thinking about tomorrow, not like the year 2050, you know, but that's like the truth. We're all leaving legacies in some way. Yeah. But in a, in a, in a book, you can see it. You can see it like unfold. You're like, oh, wow. Like all this happened. <laughs> you know, since you've been a lifelong reader, uh, and your your book club is Well Read Black Girl. Uh, do you think that you've seen a big change in the types of protagonists that are available to people who are not white, not straight, not cis? Yes, 100%. When I was growing up, I was totally like Little Women Stan. I thought I was going to become Joe March. Like that was like my shit. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And But I like say that because I didn't have any other examples. Like there weren't other like books I was reading with black protagonists that had that kind of fire and that spunk, you know? And I, and I don't knock it at all. Like, I love that book. I feel like everyone should read that book. But now there's just, like, such a wide array of different stories, different characters. And I also feel like young people are just way more equipped than, like, we ever were. They have, like, such incredible sense of vocabulary. They un- they can, like, Google things and, like, actually, like, understand, like, the nuance of terms that I didn't have that luxury, you know? And so I think they're in such a greater position and publishing is doing a better job of becoming more diverse, more just like open to nuanced stories and just more like bold. You know, I don't think we have to have the same four types of characters or even like these ideas of like princess save me type like stereotypes, you know, like I love reading characters where the protagonist is just powerful and able to make their own decisions and like talk about their sexual orientation or like coming of age stories that are just not like the same old same, you know, like Mm -hmm. there just feels like there's just more more abundance, you know, like going into the library and going into like my local bookstore, like the YA is just like out of this world. And I probably had three books that I rotated mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as like the babysitters club. Like that was like, my I was about thing. to bring was- that up. I was about to bring <laughs> up babysitters club because babysitters club was my shit, but yes. they had Claudia, one Asian and Jesse, one black girl. <laughs> right, and then, and then everyone else, they had, it was like a wide array of white girls. So you could be a Dawn or Stacy or Christy or whatever. And Christy, like uh, my own LGBTQ representation in Christie, but like you know, I felt that I had so many options for who to be, and I realize now, looking back, like black girls had one, Asian girls had one. That was it. That was it. But actually, it's so funny that you say that because there were other characters like I wanted to interchange. I was like, you know what? I like Christy. I like Don. You know what I mean? Like I like I want I like want. But I wasn't even thinking about race and skin color. I was thinking about their personalities. Right. You know, like they're like, oh, she's more ambitious. Like she's more outspoken. Like, she, you know, she doesn't feel like I liked characters that weren't like overly reserved. Yeah. No Marianne's for you. No, exactly. Exactly. Like, I just was like, no, like, that's not what I would do. Even though in retrospect, I don't even think I was this like loud outlandish person or like that definitely came as I grew older and and feeling more confident. I was pretty quiet. You know, I think I thought a lot of things in my head, but they never like made it out of my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Your outfit right now is giving Claudia. 
Like, <laughs> yes, you are get, serving Claudia right now. <laughs> you see how I look my jewelry in the back? Yeah. yeah like, like, I love, you know, usually when I'm having like a tough day, like I told you before, like I'm, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm coming down with a cold or I'm feeling kind of stuffy. Let me put on bright colors. Mm-hmm. That should fix it. You know, it's like a mental fix. Like if I wear something bright or if I feel like really comfy, that will just like change my mood or like uplift my energy a bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's like my hack. Like, let me put on a pink sweater and help. And like give myself a boost of energy. What do you think about this thing where like in in Harry Potter, Hermione is clearly described as I I don't know if J.K. Rowling meant it, but as black Katniss Everdeen is in The Hunger Games is described as dark skinned like this thing where these characters are probably not white, but you know, it's up to like your interpretation. And oftentimes the interpretation that people make is that's a white character. Yeah. I mean, but isn't that like books though? There were so many characters that I'm trying to think about an example, but I definitely feel like in my head, if sometimes, even if the author would say the character is like meant to be white, sometimes I would just like switch it to a black person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, like, I'm just going to pretend like I'm just going to pretend like I see, and I would like, especially when I was young, I would literally like, like pull replicas from my family or like if it was like a cousin, I'm like this, this person's down in the book. They're part of the story because this is like <laughs> how I visualize, you know what I mean? So in those cases with Harry Potter, and Hunger Games, I definitely had like a vision of a, a black person or a mixed race person or someone that was just like, like was not white per se or right. like, or even, you know, and I, I feel comfortable with that. But it's wild to me that some people would like that, like totally is like, that's not accurate. I mean, the same thing happens with like Game of Thrones and like all the, or even like Lord of the Rings where it's completely fantasy. It's like made up. Like we, you know, they could be purple. <laughs> like, you know what right. I mean? Like, why are we so fixated on giving, assigning a race to things, you know? Yeah. It's just like, okay, like we can use our imaginations and we could be more fluid about like who these people are because again they're characters like Mm -hmm. I don't know but you want to hear some some tea from the Lord of the Rings world is they're I'm a huge fan they're making a Lord of the Rings TV show like uh, a a big series and in the books female dwarves are described as sort of being indistinguishable from male dwarves they have full beards you can kind of oh there's only subtle ways to tell the difference between male dwarves and female dwarves which a lot of us in the like queer community have latched onto this female dwarf situation. They release the character to photos and the mm. female dwarves do not have beards. And we are up in arms about it. Oh no. You're like, bring the beards back. But see, like why? Like why? You promised us bearded ladies. <laughs> I love that. But, that, but uh, that's also just like so weird that like you want to like overly gender like dwarves mm-hmm. and like it, it's all made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like we, it's okay for like in this TV show for like the female, like it's okay. It's totally okay. So it's like all these ideas of, or these like weird expectations that like society has that we like project onto dwarves that are made up like it's okay I don't know I think also people are just afraid 
that's what it comes down to. Like, what will happen if the people see the, like, the bearded ladies? Will there be a riot? You know what I mean? Like, what does that even mean? (laughs) God forbid they don't want to fuck the dwarves from Lord of the Rings. Like, right. It's just like, what? Like, why? And, and, And when you put so much emphasis on these things that, like, in the larger scheme of things, like, mm, does did it really matter that you, like, did that? Like, why would not, why not keep the integrity of the story? Like, yeah. what the author, like, wrote down? Why don't you keep that aspect of it? Like, I don't know. It's annoying. That kind of brings me to the next question I had, which was, like, how do you feel about books being adapted to, like, movies or TV shows? Oh, I love this question because I watch, I read a lot of books, but people don't know. I also watch so much TV. <laughs> I love television. Like, there's this weird kind of, like, stereotype of, like, you're, like, a book person, you're well-read, air quotes everywhere, that you don't watch TV. I watch so much fucking TV. Like, I love Netflix. I love, like, HBO Max. Like, like put it in my brain. I love it. So... I am a fan of adaptations. I like when they are done well and the director has a great eye for cinematography. And I, actually, it's like very true to the book. You know, like it was hard for me to get into Station Eleven because I'm just like, this is way too fucking different. Like this is like completely the opposite of what the book. Like, I'm like, stick to the script. Like read, like just do what the book says. But then I'm like, I do appreciate when there's like older classic books. Like I loved how... Oh my gosh, the James Baldwin book that won the incredible Oscar, If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, like, was, yeah. oh, excuse me, it, it, it didn't win an Oscar. Did it win an Oscar? I don't think it did, but it was no. it was a good movie. Yes, but like that was a great example because when you read like when you read James Baldwin's book, it's so interior. It's like such like in the mind's eye. Like you, know, like he has like such long, beautiful sentences. And I was just like, how will this be a movie? Like I'm just so confused because it's so much like like stream of consciousness. But he did such a great job of like bringing that out and really getting understanding uh, Baldwin's like perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm like, oh my god, we have to fact check that. Like, so he, I think no, he won it for Moonlight. He won he won the Oscar for Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, Beale Street, you know, to me, it felt slow. But then if you compare it to the book, it's it's accurate. And it's and it's actually once I like realized that it was like, oh, this is the art of it is that. Yes, I'm so used to in stories and Beale Street's like taking its sweet time. Oh, yeah, because it's like it just wants you to live in the experience and live in the, the lushness and mm-hmm. or even just like the pain of the, what the, the characters are going through. Like they want you to sit with that. And I, I adore that. I adore those pauses because there is so much in life that requires us to be like so immediate and everything requires like urgency. So when you watch a movie like Beale Street or even like an old black and white movie that is like there's no CGI, there's no like fancy things blowing up you're like oh my gosh like this is what they were watching like black and white like charlie chapman (laughs) like you know like how is this entertaining but they think about the the historical context like what you know the time period everything came out and just like sitting with that i'm like oh like i appreciate this like i like the slowness it was nominated for a bunch of stuff but regina king won the oscar for best supporting that's what you're there thinking. you go i was like i knew <laughs> there were things that happened um you see the power of the internet <laughs> yeah i love but i'm a fan of adaptations and i watch i watch them i'm looking forward to disha filial's adaptation of her book the secret lives of church ladies they're doing that 
And that's going to be ooh fancy. I think there's going to be a lot of like beautiful, gratuitous sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's important for the author of the book to be really involved in the adaptation? Yes, I do, because it it's their words and they have like power over them. And I feel like they have like the ultimate vision. And I don't think they have to necessarily be the director, but like it brings me so much joy when I see like EP, you know, yeah. when they're like executive producing, they have some kind of hand in it. They're aware of what's happening. I think it's a good thing. I think that connection and synergy should be there. And then bringing in fresh eyes, like a bringing in a really stellar director or, or just like being part of the process. I think it's good. I think it just helps the industry too. Because it, it like adds more value to the work that authors do. You know, it's not like disposable. They're part of the process. Right. We're going to take a quick break, but stick around. And we're back. How do you go about picking the next book that you're going to read? Oh, man, I am a tiny dictator. (laughs) (laughs) It really depends on what is going on in my life. Like, I've started to really lean on my team and other members of the book club to give me suggestions, because if it was up to me, we would only read memoir and like contemporary fiction. And they're like, Lori, like we could not do another one. Like, give us some science fiction. Give us some romance. You know, switch it up. Do some poetry. Uh, So this month, it's April, it's National Poetry Month. So we're reading a wonderful poetry collection by Jasmine Manns. It's called Black Girl Call Home. But at first I was like, let's read another memoir. (laughs) (laughs) Whose memoirs do you like? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Sometimes it depends on like, again, my mood. Like I really love Sarah Broom's The Yellow House. Um, I like celebrity memoirs. I read Mariah Carey's (laughs) memoir. I'm actually, because of like the wildness that was happening on the Oscars, I I just downloaded Will Smith's memoir. I didn't. I've been talking about that. Yeah, I definitely was like, oh, download. (laughs) You got me. (laughs) So yeah, like I just love to see how people go through their lives, how they make decisions, all the unexpected things that, that you know, you don't know. Like we always see like the finished picture when people were, are winning their awards, where they're in just like, like, you know, it's like you get the highlight reel when you're, especially on social media. And I'm like, tell me all the stuff that happened when you were four. Like, give me, give me the hard stuff. <laughs> Sometimes you get some real fun ones. Like I read, uh, I've read all of Tina Turner's memoirs. She has three. Ooh. And, uh, Love to hyperfixate. And one of them, she didn't, I love her to death, but she was like, well, I'm pretty sure that I'm the reincarnation of an Egyptian princess. And here's why. And I was like, this is not what you're going to get outside of this memoir. <laughs> Give me it. I want to know. Injected it in my veins. Exactly. I love that. I am also a Tina Turner fan. And for my birthday two years ago, like I, I feel like I've lost time because Mm. of the pandemic but I went to see Tina Turner on Broadway (gasps) and like lost my mind it was so good I was like crying and of course dancing in this like I loved it so much it was such a great play her story is wild every her story will just be like and then Ike showed up with a gun and they'd be like and it'd be like anyway I made a hit record and then I showed up with a gun and you'd be like what is what what is happening but that's also multitudes, right? Fuck like that, that guy. is like life. I was I was listening to some podcasts recently, and what were they talking? I don't even remember 
the name of the podcast, but the thing that like stood out to me was the host was saying, you know, like, like you're not going to be like great at everything. And there's going to be like parts of your life that are just going to be like, sometimes like really like messy and, and complicated. And like, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Cause I've read so many memoirs and like, they're like, they're amazing singers. Like they're incredible on stage. And then they're like, oh yeah, they like completely neglected their family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like there's just all these things where you, it's really hard to, to show up in every area in that way and be quote unquote successful. Like it's yeah. just so complicated. And when, especially if you're this like very ambitious person, you're going after all these goals, like something along the way is going to like suffer, you know? Yeah. And I'm, oh my gosh, I, now, as I say it out loud, I'm like, I like the suffering. I want to know how, <laughs> how people have suffered, but also like overcome and become the person that they were meant to be. So mm-hmm. I think that's why. I love memoir. And I also get like, I really love like when folks are nostalgic. I love Jacqueline Woodson's Brown Girl Dreaming. Like it's like a complete memoir, like all like novel and verse. I've, oh my gosh, I've read like Angela Davis's memoirs and just a lot. Like they're just like, I just like books. (laughs) Do you ever read a book and go, I can't finish this? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) I definitely am a skip a page person if I'm just like, this is not giving me what I thought it would. And I'll like, I'll go to the end. There were, okay, this is, I love this book, but it was hard for me to read because there were some parts where I was like, girl, like, I was like, what, what, what are these decisions? I don't understand. But I really loved Educated by Tara Wesselrer. And, but there were parts of it where I was just like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't mm. like, and it wasn't her fault. Like, I just was like, I would get really frustrated with some of her members of her family. And I just like, I just wanted to be like, what happened? Like, let me yeah. skip over all this I'm too stressed. Clothes. I'm too stressed out. I need to know how this ends. Yes. That feeling of like, I was like anxiety. I was like, there's beautiful words, beautiful words, but what is the conclusion? So I was like skipping around in that book a lot. And especially because everyone was talking about it. So I was like, oh, my God, like everyone knows. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot for me. It'll be like when I'm watching a true crime documentary and I just Google it in the middle to see who did it. And then I still enjoy the documentary, but I just am too stressed out and I need to know like midway through. <laughs> Please, you are my people. Because <laughs> I, I do that all the time. And it used to drive my ex crazy. He'd be like, just what? Just what? And I'm like, no, like I need to stop in Wikipedia all of this right now. And I will still watch it and thoroughly enjoy it. I need a like rabbit hole. And that is why we're not together anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how can you not understand this? How my brain works. I need to know the conclusion. I feel like there is a lot of self-judgment and like shame when it comes to reading where people will like, and I, I had to work through this where I really only like certain types of books. Like I only like certain writing styles. And so for me, it's a lot of contemporary fiction. It's like some books I'll start, even though people are like, this is amazing. Just the writing style I like can't connect with. And so like, how do you view that? Like, should you just enjoy whatever you like to read? Should you push yourself to maybe read things outside of your comfort zone? Girl, just read whatever you want to read. I like push against the idea that we have to like read a certain way or, you know, gravitate to certain authors. I think if you are curious and excited about what you're reading, you should do it and do it with like your full gusto. 
sometimes I feel like I'm unaware what other people are reading because I'm so fixated on like what I'm working on or what I'm like excited about that. Like, yes, if it's popular with other people, like, hooray. But if not, like, that's totally fine with me too. Like, I'm just like, all right, whatever, you know? And it's also interesting to watch as other book clubs and other, you know, as like the book club kind of like mammoth has happened. There's like so many popular book clubs everywhere. And now, you know, it's like, oh, like we were reading Nicole, Dennis Ben and uh, Britt Bennett from like the very beginning. Like we both like cherished both of their debut novels. So, so good. And now like, like it's mainstream, you know, I mean, I could also think of author Tiari Jones, who I just told you the story about. I had read all of her books, like Silver Sparrow, Leaving Atlanta. Like she had a wonderful body of work prior to her Oprah book club hit American Mm -hmm. Marriage. But she was suddenly introduced to the world because of Oprah's like holy grail, you know? And I'm like, now that you've read that, please go back and read all of her other books. She's a tremendous writer. If I was just like only fixated on like what's popular, I wouldn't, or like, well, again, I'm doing a lot of air quotes in this interview. Like, <laughs> like what, you know, what seems popular, I would have never like read her other work. And that's like, that's not fair. Like, that's like a loss to so, to so many wonderful readers. So I just kind of, I like go with like my gut. And I, I also go with a good cover, which is also, you know, like you're not supposed to shut your book by its cover. But if I see a cover that really captures my eye, I'm like, ooh, what's this? Like, I'll kind of go with it. I recently read uh, Sheila Henty's Motherhood and the cover to me was like just so strange. It was, it's like a green cover and it has like, it looks like a, like a small little, almost like um, monument and it was holding a knife. And I was like, what does this mean? It, it was like so like abstract and not necessarily captivating in any way, but I just was like intrigued by like how simple it was. And I was like, I'm going to buy this book now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I, if things like seem strange on covers or they're like obscenely just like beautiful and oh, I love this artwork, I'll I will grab it. And I like doing that. Like so it's almost like a surprise. I'm like, oh, let me just like, grab this and not read the back of it and and see what happens. So if any marketing people are listening, covers do work. (laughs) (laughs) Do you care about Kindle versus hard copy? I am a Kindle, I would say like, what is it called when you're just kind of like not into it? (laughs) I'm just kind of like, I have a Kindle, but I haven't used it in a while when I did use it, I was really excited about the highlight feature. I would love that. And I loved like seeing how many other people had highlighted it. I was like, oh my gosh, like 462 people have all highlighted the same line. <laughs> I think that was like my favorite thing about it. Cause I was like, I wonder why they, why they highlighted that. Do they feel how I feel about it? It is this cool experience of like, it almost feels like being watching a movie in the theater. <laughs> like you're getting yeah, yeah, where other people's like, energy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's also a testimony to the writer because it's like you that you just wrote the shit out of that sentence. Like that's yeah. a good ass <laughs> sentence, you know? Um, so that was like my favorite thing. Outside of that, I'm like, no, I need a hardcover. Like I need like a real book. Like, like I need to like have it near and like touch pages and like. I need mm-hmm. I need to read real book. I'm a I'm a Kindle lover. Oh, you guys are Kindle. Well, no, I don't have a Kindle. I I I have just uh, hardcover books, but I I have to shuffle through them because I don't have room. So like I I will like donate like a big chunk of them and then get new ones and then donate and then get new ones. My reason for Kindle is because I read 
all the time during all different activities. And it's just very easy. So like, you know, I do sometimes read hardcovers and stuff, but then I'm like, find myself at the table with like a, a, a glass on the half of the book and holding it open and all this stuff. And like, I'll be like reading while I'm brushing my teeth and I read every night right before bed. And that's when I really love the Kindle because I can have all the lights out and then like, just like read in any sort of position. And when I read nonfiction, I like to read that hardcover. And then when I read novels, I read on my Kindle, which is very weird. This is interesting, Allison. I feel like we need to do a study because I never <laughs> thought about like turning off all my lights and like reading a Kindle in like a snuggly position. That, that could be a bonus for me trying my Kindle again. Feels like right next uh, to the highlighting feature. That's like a good plus. Yeah, I just converted my boyfriend to Kindle for this very reason, because I like I go to sleep early and I turn the lights off and I read my Kindle. And so he would like if he wanted to read his book, he would like go outside or like, you know, or end up just reading on his phone. But now that he he literally got the Kindle like three days ago and he's so jazzed because it is like even if you just read it for your nighttime reading and like other mm-hmm. books you read during the day. But the nighttime Kindle, it's huge, guys. It's it's pretty fun. <laughs> I had never even thought of that. I just have the little book light that you snap onto the book and you can read it. What are you reading right now? I've been doing like a lot of poem, like a lot of poetry books. So I have this book here that I just started. It's called The Bluest Nude. It's a collection of poems. Her name is Ama Kojo. Mm. I think that's how you pronounce it. Like C-O-D-J-O-E. And... I love the, I talk about covers. I'm again, I was like, oh my gosh, I love. So this is artwork by this artist named Simone Lee that I'm a huge fan of. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she must know something because she knows who Simone Lee is. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like, so it just totally like captured me. But her writing style reminds me of like Lucille Clifton or even like Gwendolyn Brooks, where she just makes like very ordinary things feel extraordinary. So oh. I love that quality when you like just take a small aspect of something and just kind of like open it up and explore it. So I've been enjoying The Bluest Nude, this collection of poems. And I just got this book right here. It's another galley. It's called Night Crawling and it's Leah Motley. And I, I'm like, I'm just really interested in like coming of age stories for, you know, women of color, young Black women that are trying to figure out themselves. And this is giving me vibes of a uh, a young Black woman that's trying to figure out herself in Oakland. So, Mm. and I love a good story about like, like the messiness of growing up. And, um, Mm. and it's been, it's been interesting. So like the first sentence, again, I just started it, but like the first, uh, (laughs) the first sentence is like, the swimming pool is filled with dog shit and Dee's laughter mocks us at dawn. And I'm like, what? Dog shit and laughing at dawn? You know, some shit's going to happen. Like it's going to (laughs) be, you know? (laughs) So it's, 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 it caught my, and I also love the color. It's like this like girl with like beautiful braids, like waving around. I'm like, oh my gosh. So those are the two things that I'm kind of, like playing around and and reading slowly and I love to get like an arc or like an advanced reading copy a couple of months before so I can kind of sit with it and see if it, it's like my jam and then I decide if we're going to use it in book club or not um which is always a hard process because I get so many great authors and so many great like pitches and stuff but we have to narrow it down to like 10 11 books you know So the people are like, please, Glory, pick my book. (laughs) Please, you have so much power. 
<laughs> I know. It's like, I know. Again, my dictator. Yes, no. It's, it's hard though. Cause I do like, there's so many books that I read that sometimes don't even make it to like Instagram or, you know, and I, if I do post something, I swear to you, I have read it. I have read it all the way. I have a firm understanding about it. We can talk about the plot. We can talk about the characters. Um, but I'm not one to just be like TBR <laughs> because I'm just like, I can't like, I, and I don't read that fast either. Like I probably read like two books a month and it, and they, and if that is happening, it, the book has to be under like 200 pages. I love that. I love that. It's not like, oh yeah. And I'm someone who reads five books a week. Like everyone has a different relationship with how much that they read or that you promote stuff that you haven't read, you know, that you don't do that. That's nice. I can't. I am like, I have to really read it because the expectation is you're going to want to talk to me about it. (laughs) If I don't know know what happened, that's like the most embarrassing. Like, I think I feel like that's like just mortifying. So if I post something and someone's like, so what did you think? Like, what'd you think of so-and-so scene? And I'm like, huh? (laughs) cliff notes cliff notes notes. right like uh, that's like not a good reading experience or sharing experience so if i put it on my feed that's because i'm like giving it a a real and very like genuine thumbs up do you ever read plays yes i do i haven't read a play in a while though but i did start my career in theater like one of my first jobs out of college was at this small um, very like local theater called the Lincoln Theater in Washington, D.C. And they put on like community productions and a lot of like church plays. Um, and then when I moved to New York, I like, did my best to go to like, you know, Joe's Pub and like off-Broadway oh, stuff. Pub. I love Joe's Pub. Like I, I will still, I still kind of like kick myself for not seeing Hamilton when it was at like, Joe's Pub. <laughs> You know, because I definitely remember that. Like, I'm like, I should have went. I should have gone to like, there's this incredible festival called um, Under the Radar that like, you know, it basically they, they're they testing out new productions. They workshop a lot of space. And if I'm not mistaken, like Hamilton was like part of Under the Radar. I think so. so. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I gotta see it first. Um, But yeah, I love theater. And um, I'm a huge fan of Lynn Nottage. I've read a lot of her works as, you know, like as a book you know so Mm -hmm. um i think that's like and i think it's a great practice if you're trying to understand dialogue and like really like write like how people talk like that's one thing i do notice when you're reading books like sometimes people are writing things that sound beautiful but i'm like no one would ever say that like (laughs) that's not how people talk in real life you know so like understanding like and I also feel like I'm a very like voice driven editor. Like I'm, I love the voice and that's why I probably gravitate more to like contemporary fiction. Cause I just, I love when like the voice really like holds firm in a book, you know? So we know that you love books. We know that you love TV. Do you like games? Regular games like Connect Four and like Word Association, I can do that. Please don't try to like play like Nintendo with me. I'm not. <laughs> but you do want to win. I do want to win. I am okay. competitive. Okay, great. Okay, so this game is called Hypotheticals. And you and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can tell me, uh, at, you can ask any clarifying questions you might have, and then you tell me what you would do in that situation. Um, and then I give you feedback that's, you know, completely subjective and not true. All right. <laughs> so our first game is, would you stay with this cheater? You have been with your partner since college. 
You slept with three people before getting together, but they have only ever slept with you. They work as an advice columnist and have been trying really hard to sell a book. One publisher is interested, but doesn't think they can market a book on relationship advice from someone who has only ever slept with one person. So your partner goes out and sleeps with three new people in order to sell their book. You only find out about it when you read the manuscript. Would you stay with this cheater? Uh, maybe. Like this is so weird. Okay, so they, they, so they didn't tell. They didn't tell their partner before. I think no, but if they had told me before, yes, I agree. <laughs> okay, I agree. <laughs> if we had had the open conversation or something, like just talked about it, I think I would have been more jarred by like reading it in the manuscript. I'm like, okay, hold on, wait a second. Like if you had told me before you went out and did your boom, 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 like I would have been okay. Like let's, you know, just talking about it before would have made it acceptable. But I think the lying and then putting it in the or omit, oh, just omitting. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like that's, that's an issue. Reading it in the manuscript would be a horrifying experience. Well, they yeah, said to like you, this is going to be shocking. <laughs> <laughs> no, hard pass. Now they're playing with me and I don't like it. Right. <laughs> leave, leave, leave. I'm yeah. I'm with Gabby. Leave immediately. But you uh. would have been totally fine letting them go do that. If, if you knew it would help sell the book and they told you Follow ahead of time. Question. Yeah. How successful is the book? Huge hit. They become an overnight success, very wealthy and famous. Well, you know what? These are so many hypotheticals because I feel like that type of person who doesn't tell you beforehand, Mm. suddenly like they're going to want to write a part two. They might have need us like sleep with three more people. And it's like, (laughs) it it, it could be a slippery slope. Like I just feel like honesty is the best policy. So if you're honest from the beginning about like your strategy and like how you want to go about things, you know, like. And just talking about your creative process, like you're a, I'm a method actor of, of authorship. I need to embody, like, just say that. Uh, <laughs> if we were monogamous, we stay together. They're wealthy. Now we're not monogamous. Mm, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. There you go. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I feel like, yeah, this. Okay. So I, yeah, that's a good scenario. I like that a conclusion. Yeah. Thank that's you. That's the right answer. Congratulations. Woo! <laughs> we did it. okay our next game are you a terrible parent your child 13 is desperate to become a professional magician they try out a new trick on you and even though you can easily tell how they did it you pretend to be blown away by the magic of it all to be supportive the next day they perform this same trick at a school magic show and get booed off stage. Oh my god. Are you a terrible parent? Oh my god. Why are they booing them? Yeah, because the these trick are mean is so teenagers. The trick is so badly done. But booing? That's so mean. It's a cutthroat okay. school. It's like a performing oh, arts school? Yeah. <laughs> I think Alice this is like yes. I think this is my <laughs> fault. I'm a bad parent. So you should have told them that you could tell that how they did the trick and they did a bad job. Yeah, then they would have had time to fix it. Yeah, but like I a match is magic supposed to be I well, I am not familiar with the world of magicians. I guess like if you can obviously see the thing. And also, yes, okay, let's 
I'm taking everything in that you've told, shared with me, Allison. And <laughs> I do believe that like, back to the honesty, you can tell a 13 year old that like if the kid had been like seven, then you mm-hmm. can, you know, but at 13, you can give them some like, oh, that was a really cool. But like, I think, you know, if we do it this way, we can like improve it. Like, let's practice some more together. I offer to become the magician's assistant. Oh, let's see. That's great. No 13-year-old magician wants their parent to be their assistant. They've got to have a a cool, young, dynamic assistant. I wear a sparkly tuxedo. I let them (laughs) cut my legs off. Come on, that's that's fun. It's like the Partridge family, but for magic. That's a show I would watch. (laughs) That's also, it feels like it's like a little bit of the Addams Family, like, spin in there. Yeah. I'm adding, the, I have like this long list of things that I want to do with my son. And now I'm adding like magic. I'm like, oh yeah, magic. I love adding that. I'm a huge magic fan. I'm really glad we played this game for that reason alone. Okay, our final game. Would you forgive this liar? You're about to go into a very, very important business meeting with people who might invest in your new startup. Mm. Right before going in, you turn to your business partner and ask if you look okay. They look at you for a moment and then say yes. You go in and crush the meeting with confidence. But when you return home, you see there is a huge piece of spinach stuck in your teeth. (gasps) Your business partner confesses that they didn't know if you would be able to get the spinach out in time. So they decided it was better for you to not know about it. (gasps) You don't get the investment. Would you forgive this liar? No, that's no. awful. And, like, that's awful. That's so awful. It's so simple. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That is how you know a true friend. That is how you know a true fucking friend is if they do that. Yeah, like you're supposed to tell. I've had stuff stuck in my teeth and I've been unable to get it out. Like without a toothbrush. And then so then you go in and you know and then you're frazzled and you don't do your best because you know about it. You lost the investment anyway. I know. <laughs> I think you should tell. You should tell. It's like that's like if you have a booger in your nose yes. or like, I don't know, or like I don't that's awful. You gotta tell. You gotta cause especially if it's like a like important presentation, like everything's gonna be critiqued and like overviewed. Like, no. Tell them that they have spinach in their teeth. Help them get it out. Like stick your finger in there and get it out. Yes. No. I'm I'm also, I have like, I mean, this is maybe not good because I, I have boundary problems, but I was out with a friend of mine, stunning girl, beautiful. She was drinking a margarita and the lime from the margarita kept getting little lime bits on her mouth. And every time it would happen, I would just brush it off for her. There you go. And you're a good friend. See, I don't think that you guys have ever had the experience of being out somewhere, having something stuck in your teeth and not being able to get it out. Because I've had this happen to me many times. Use a piece of paper. I've tried and it doesn't come out all the way. Well, you have that one weird little tooth. I have these little, (laughs) I have gaps in my teeth and things. This is how you know Allison and I have been friends for almost a decade. I'm like, you have the one weird tooth. (laughs) We have to gift you one of those like little like to go flossy things. Yeah, I need that. I've realized recently I really need to add that to my bag. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. If you don't help your friend when they're... T- I tuck people's tags back in. I'm oh, out yeah. here. I'm out here I- doing community service. 
But the only difference is the only reason they didn't tell was because they were afraid you couldn't get it out. If it was something they knew you could have addressed, they would have told you. It's no spinach, not like a crater. Like you can figure this out. Hard pass. All right. Maybe I've not been, maybe I just am not trying hard enough to get stuff out of my teeth. I don't think you are. And you have long, longer nails. You could do it. No, it doesn't. My nails are too, it won't, believe me, I've had some problems. Anyway, (laughs) this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. And where can people find out more about all the things that you do? The many things that you do. So many, many, many things. This has been so much fun. I like, I have to come back again. You guys are the best. And I'm thinking, well, I think the best way for folks to find me is on Instagram. It's at wellreadblackgirl. You can also Google that and a bunch of stuff will come up as well as my podcast. So if you listen to me on wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, we're black girl. Join the book club if you if you're into like reading like books by women of color, black women. Come through. We accept allies as well. It's, it's a it's a safe space. So yeah, that's where you can find me on the internet. Thank you so much. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about Gabby's gender journey. Just between us, it's time for topics. X X X X X X X, baby, baby. So what? What's right. been going on? <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Let's get into my problems with insurance. Okay, so I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the healthcare system in this country is broken. Okay, let's start. I'm sure anyone who's trans is listening to this who is like, "Yeah, duh, bitch." But here we go. So I I go to the to the gender clinic. I meet with the doctor. They, they say, what do you ideally want to get out of this meeting? I said, I would love a prescription for testosterone. They go, okay, here's a big packet about gender, as if I've never read about it before. And they say, you have to take a month and read this. And then come back in a month and we'll prescribe it. The, the booklet is basically whatever you can find online. It's like a timeline. It's like stuff I already know, right? And as if like anyone would go into this, this appointment being like, I've never heard of testosterone. Like, it's just like, whatever. It's so patronizing. So then I take 45 minutes to read the packet and then I wait four weeks. I go in and they say, great, we'll prescribe it. I go, great. They say, it needs a prior authorization from your insurance. I say, okay, that's five to seven days. I wait. Then they call me, the doctor calls me and Rite Aid calls me and say, it's ready, come pick it up. I, like an idiot, skip into the pharmacy. They go, oh, actually, are you ready for this shit? There's two different, it's the same exact medication. There's two different ways to apply it. It's a gel. One is, comes in packets. One comes in a pump bottle, right? So they say, well, your doctor prescribed the pump bottle, but the prior authorization is for the packets. So we actually can't give it to you. I'm like, it's the same exact medication. It's just a different, it's just a different form. Said, sorry, you need the prior authorization for the pump. I go, okay, can she just send a prescription for the packets and then it will match the prior authorization and then you can just give me the packets. They say, no, your insurance only covers the pump. So she needs to submit a prior authorization for the pump so that it can match. 
I thought you said it the other way that she that your doctor had prescribed the pump and that the uh, they had cleared the packets. Yes. So she needs to so that she needs to resubmit a prior authorization for the pump. The one for the packets is not useful. We have to it's it's void. So then she's like, okay. And then I say, well, how long will that take to the pharmacist? He says, probably five to seven days, at which point I start sobbing, hysterically crying in the Rite Aid. He's like, sorry. I'm like, Ugh. also fun, fun moment. And like I said this in my long TikTok video about this, I get it. I live in the world. I understand. I'm not a person who's like, I'm a victim, whatever. But a healthcare professional, a pharmacist, is on the phone with an insurance company asking about a prescription for literal testosterone. And I hear him on the phone and he says, okay, so is there anything we can do for her? Now I am a person <laughs> getting a prescription for testosterone. You are a healthcare professional. Might that have maybe clicked something for you? I think, all right, you know what? I live in the real world. It's fine. It's fine. My friend Drew says, no, he's a healthcare professional. He should know better. I'm like, he's a man who works at Rite Aid. Like, I don't know. What are, I, this is, I don't know. Fine, 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 fine. So I leave. I'm crying. They say, okay, we'll submit the prior authorization for the pump. I say, okay. They say, actually, we need to submit it again because it got approved for the medication, but not approved for the dosage because the packet has different dosage than the pump. So now they're like, we're the doctor's like, we're putting a rush on it. So hopefully in the next 48 hours. And that's where we're at as I sit here to speak to you today. I'm so sorry. So now we're going on almost seven weeks of trying to get testosterone. How did you come to the decision that you wanted to do testosterone? Because a lot of my critiques on how I look are just gender. Like, I'm like, well, I don't like that, you know, that my face is a little like round or whatever. And it's like, well... If you go on testosterone, it makes your jawline more like there were a lot of things where I was like, what if I had a mustache or like I did, you know, face app mm -hmm. where you can like, you know, change what you look like. So I would like change my face in face app, which is a very cis thing to do. And I would be like, "Ooh, that looks cool. And like it, it also like I'm showing a picture of myself with a mustache on face app. I just felt like all the changes that come with it, I really liked and and wanted. And you can go very slow. You can use as much as you want. You can stop. There's some things that are permanent, but other things aren't. And if you decide you don't like something, you don't have to do it or you don't have to keep doing it. But I just, you know, I, I decide I want to do it. And then in the Rite Aid, when I couldn't get it and I was hysterical, Mm -hmm. was when I was like, oh, this matters to me. Like, clearly. Yeah. Like, I was like, I am sobbing and, like, upset. And that is, you know, that was kind of a, a huge clue to, like, oh, you really want this. Yeah. <sighs> and then I just kind of was like, I think I'm, you know, I'm prioritizing myself and being a baby. Like, tons of people can't get medicine in this country. Like, you know, I understand that, like, I'm not more important than other people and like, but, you know, there's there's so many conversations about trans healthcare being harder and that it's seen as a controlled substance, which is kind of interesting because Mal's always like, what am I going to do? Overdose on testosterone? I'm going to cover my whole body in testosterone. 
<laughs> like what what is the what is the worst thing I could possibly do? So I don't know. So here we wait. So it should just be a couple of days, hopefully. Hopefully. But it's so cruel that that they were like, come on in and get it. And then did not like it was just like it just felt like it felt really cruel. Yeah. And then I cried on TikTok. You know how it is. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was raised on YouTube and I don't know how to process anything. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's also really ridiculous sometimes to think about like doing this so publicly, especially because I'm like talking about it here. But like my my parents don't really have a grasp on it. They, one, don't seem very curious about it, which Allison knows is kind of their M.O. They haven't really asked me about it. And I have been a coward where they've been like, what's going on with you? And I had this whole saga going on with me and the testosterone. And I was just like, nothing. I will say Cheyenne remains herself, my sister, because I said, oh, I'm going to go on testosterone. And she said, oh, are you going to grow a mustache more than you already have? (laughs) And I was like, you fucking bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I was running names by her. And and everyone in my life is like, every cis person in my life is like so gentle and like very serious. And I'll like make jokes. And I forgot that cis people are like very sweet and like worried about being good allies. So they'll like, won't criticize really. But I was like running names by Cheyenne and every single one she was like, ew, no, bad, ew, hate it. Like she just, and sometimes I prefer that than like people online, like Mal made a joke being like, I wish Gabby would change their name to Beans so that our dog could be Beans Jr. (laughs) And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then people on TikTok were like, because trans people are so sweet and so like validating, they're like, we would support you if your name was Beans. And I was like, no, you should all, you're, you should all, some, somehow we've become too accepting. You should all be telling me Beans is a dumb name. Do you feel pretty confident you're going to change your name? I don't know. I also was like pretty sold on, on some ideas. And then, <laughs> and then Cheyenne was like, no, bad, <laughs> hate it. And I was like, I kind of prefer that. Then people being like, whatever you feel, we will call you. <laughs> Cheyenne was just like, I kind, I don't know. Sometimes you need the cis ally who's going to be like, that's stupid. Like what other parts of this have, have been like surprising to you or, or going away that you didn't think it would? I thought that I would really care more about what men thought, but men have surprised me. Like some people that I've been seeing, or not seeing that many people, but some people that I've been seeing were like, I was like, if I got top surgery, would you care? And they were like, no. <laughs> like, it'll be interesting to see in practice because right now that's easy for them to say, oh yeah, like, yeah, you're like not a woman and and I see you that way and whatever. But then it's interesting for that person to then identify as straight, which they're allowed to do. They're, they're, they're allowed to identify however they want to identify. It's just kind of interesting. And then I, you know, there's people that I thought would be a certain way. And then they like came out as trans back to me. (laughs) Oh, wow. So like, it's been a really shocking time. And a lot of stuff happened in a row where like, There's different people out there, obviously, like, wow, big, big revelation, if true, that trans people are different. But 
you know, my group of friends, my close friends, two of them have top surgery, but don't identify as trans. You know, Drew is a trans woman, but she dresses very tomboyish. Another friend of ours is is kind of playing in the trans feminine sphere uh, sphere and has really gone like full goth Lolita trans woman, which I didn't see coming. And so like everyone in my group of friends is pretty like, I would say non-binary in some ways. And then I recently met some trans people who were very binary and who were like, I'm a man. I was born in the wrong body. This is the narrative. And I am a and I'm a man. And I was like, oh, that's different. And I hadn't realized I hadn't really had a lot of conversations with people like that. I don't feel that way. But also like the support across that has been really nice. Like when I was posting about the testosterone saga, non-binary friends were like offering advice and comforting me and reaching out. And then also like trans people who I know who are extremely binary, who I'm not that close to, also were reaching out and trying to help. And I was like, you know, what a non-monolithic society we have. And and even though we all have different ideas of it, the struggle united everyone, which I thought was a really interesting experience. Everyone wanted to give their advice. Everyone wanted to see if they could help, regardless of, of how they might experience the world as a trans person or feel as a trans person. And I was like, huh, everyone really like I expressed a problem and everyone stepped up. Fascinating. That's wonderful. Yeah. And even Cheyenne was nice about it. <laughs> she was like, I'm sorry. Do you want me to beat them up? And I was like, oh. yeah, if you wouldn't mind coming to the pharmacy and beating them up. When someone is like going through a, a transition, like, is it appropriate to sort of like check in and ask how that's going? Or like, you know, like what is, for, for people who are. Yeah, I think so. I don't necessarily feel binary about it. Like, I think, you know, I said to Cheyenne, I was like, if I got top surgery, I might still wear dresses. I might still wear bikini tops. Like I might still like it might not it might not be that, you know. If I I have a friend who's a stylist and I was like looking through the clothes and some and I was like looking through some of the suits that I liked and I was like, you know, even if I like had a beard and looked like a boy, I might still want to wear some of these dresses. These look cool. Fashion is fashion. So I said that as if that was some sort of mind-blowing thing. And Cheyenne was like, like a drag queen? And I was like, yes, you're right. I'm stupid. I'm thinking of this as this big thing that I've invented. And Cheyenne was like, so just like a drag queen? Like, you're not that special? (laughs) So I think people want that clean journey. And like my answers might be just like, it might just be this kind of like nebulous thing. So, yes, I think you can check in, but I think that person might say some answers that are just kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. Or they might just be a really binary, you know, I don't know. I'm very, my biggest concern is how people will view me because I don't know. Even like I was at a party and this one guy was like so gorgeous and I was like, oh my God, what's his deal? And my friend was like, oh, he's gay, like gay, gay. And I was like, all right, well, I'll check back in in 12 months. (laughs) I will circle back to this guy. Give me 12 months and I'm going to circle back and try again. And this person, this this person I said that to was did not know if they could laugh. (laughs) But you laughing is correct. That was a joke. (laughs) So I don't know. And what are your fears about doing it in, in public? One, that if I wear feminine clothing, people will find it disappointing. Mm hmm. 
two that I'm going to look full. Pro- I'm not going to look great right away. <laughs> like, I think I will have some sort of John Waters mustache situation. That is not ideally what I would want. I'm worried about acne. Mm. Mal, for some reason, has perfect skin. Fuck them. But other friends of mine, ha- you know, you're going through second puberty, so you might get acne. Doesn't happen to everyone, but I'm also like acne prone, so I wonder if it will happen to me. Voice dropping. I wonder if I'll sound silly. Like we do, I do what we do a podcast where I talk for hours at a time. So am I going to sound ridiculous? But what what does that mean to sound ridiculous? I don't. When your voice first drops, it's like it sounds like you have a cold. So I wonder if <sighs> there's like a lot of things people make fun of. Like I don't want to like. But like people call it like trans voice, trans man voice, where it's like, it sounds like you have a cold and it's like they make fun of it, which is not nice. But like, I don't know. Just the way, look at the way people have have come at Elliot Page. His hair looks bad. His clothes don't fit. You know, like, I don't know. It's I, it worries me. I guess it's always that thing of like, but who's saying those things? And, and do their opinions matter to you? No, but it might take a while for me to figure out how to shave, how to do my hair, how to how to find a suit that fits. You know, like it's going to take a while and I'm and I'm not going to look ideal right away. And so I just have to kind of be like, all right. You know, it's like when you grow your hair out and you're like, ooh, this is a bad phase. But (laughs) at the same time, like I want to skip ahead. I don't want to go through the middle. But at the same time, I'm holding myself like I'm I'm the middle is beautiful. I never judge other people, other friends of mine who are like going and and the middle might be the destination. You know, friends of mine who have some 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 testosterone, some smaller doses. So they have some things and not other things like I always think that's beautiful. So why am I like acting like I'm going to just immediately like be some sort of bridge troll? And are people going to be attracted to me? Like, I have a lot of self-worth tied to being sexually attractive. (laughs) So are people going to still be attracted to me? I don't know. They say yes, but could they be lying? I went to a party. This girl who I know is like a a lesbian, capital L lesbian, was like being touchy with me. And in the back of my head, I was like, in six months, this person won't talk to me. And that Mm -hmm. felt really weird. Yeah. But I'm also projecting. Who knows? I'm making these people seem bad when they're not. I think right now you're also living in a lot of anticipation, right? Because you haven't started it yet. And it's been mm-hmm. a dragged out process of not starting it. And I almost wonder if mm-hmm. once once you've started taking it, if some of this unease will go away because it, there's less, you know, there's still so much uncertainty. But right now it's it's all uncertain. It's all new. You haven't started yet. Mm-hmm. And some things happen fast and some things happen slow, like I like your voice. Someone told me that their voice dropped in six weeks. Wow. And I was like, what? And that's permanent. But even I found a video. I found a video of Mal from 2019. And I could not believe that was their. I could not believe that's what they sounded like. It sounds so different. So you don't even remember what they used to sound like? No, I don't even remember it. And when I hear it, it sounds crazy. It sounds like they sucked helium. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I don't know. It'll be also, it's also interesting that me talking is all over the internet. Mm -hmm. There's a 
big record of how I quote unquote used to sound. So we'll see. Even comments on our video about where we were talking about Turf Mentor or whatever on our YouTube video. Like there were some, I didn't see all the comments because as soon as the first comment was like, why are people being transphobic? I was like, all right, I don't need to read the rest of this. But I saw someone say like, oh, they might not know that they might have seen the show a long time ago and they've come back and they don't know that Gabby is different. And that is also a thing of like, there's so many videos of me online. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind Mm -hmm. of strange. But I guess maybe that's how Elliot Page feels about their body of movie work. You know, it's like it's, that'll be there. But maybe they don't care because they showed a clip from Juno at the Oscars and, and it's, I had a moment where I was like, is that shitty? And then, Someone at the Oscars party I was at was like, I don't think it's shitty. Like, they're proud of their work. He's proud of his work. And I was like, okay, you're right. I projected. Yeah, I think it's just being extra kind to yourself during this time because it probably is going to be a bit turbulent. Mm-hmm. And I looked at, I you know, and when I see old pictures and old, vid- old videos and stuff, I'm not upset about it. I'm like, look at her. Who is she? She's thriving. She's. It feels like a, like someone else. It feels like a, a. It's like, oh, look at her. She was hot. Good for her. But there's a lot of them, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's. I don't know. I will see. People. People will have thoughts. But that's the stuff we can't control. Yeah, and also the the microscope I'm under, right? So I changed on um, Instagram. I wrote Gab instead of Gabby, just for no reason, just to like be like. And then, like, cis people who mean very well were like, is that your new name? Should we be calling you that? Are you all, are, is this what? And I'm like, just, or people will be like, oh, you changed your name on Instagram. Like, is, what should we do? Like, fans. And I'm like, nothing. I do nothing. (laughs) They notice, they notice fucking everything, dude. So then it's scary. I mean, I'm not mad at you guys, but it is just like y'all really are paying attention. Well, I'm really proud of you for for doing this, even though it is bringing up a lot and it is scary and all of that. I hope people still think I'm hot, I guess, is my takeaway. (laughs) Okay. See, some some things never change. (laughs) I hope. Well, thanks for asking. And obviously, you know, this is like a long drawn out conversation so thanks melissa would you like to join melissa was making faces and nodding and shaking her head throughout this entire conversation i was engaged oh thanks i saw you like disapproving of me hating on myself approving of certain things like you were you were in it i i I don't remember what i did but it's on video but yeah i mean i'm here i'm listening thanks dude I was like trying to figure out my hair is like doing this thing where it sticks up, which Mal calls Jimmy Neutron boy genius. And I'm like, (laughs) when will I learn what to do with my hair? Who knows? (laughs) I think that's a question we all ask ourselves. Yeah, I'm like, I ask myself that every day. (laughs) That's for everyone. But Mal's like, you have to learn how to do like the boy like gel. And I'm like, we got to relearn everything. Fine. It was very cute, though, watching Drew teach Mal how to shave. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> that's called that's called T for T allyship, baby. <laughs> anyway, I rate this episode four out of three stories. Uh, I will rate it 17 out of three 
Kindle experiences. <laughs> I'll rate it 30 out of 20 Gabby's hotness in perpetuity. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank God. Well, thank you to Glory Edom for being our guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa Big D Motts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Bohm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash foreverdogteam or youtube.com slash show. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, at Allison Raskin, at Gabby Road, at She Is Not Melissa, at Emotional Support Lady, at BWM Pod. Bye! Forever! Yeah.